2: Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Thursday, August 26, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor at USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and ready to dig into, as we near this final preseason game of the 2021 preseason and training camp, uh, dig into some details and updates as far as what is perceived to be uh, the Dolphins' depth chart. And the depth chart that the Dolphins have put out over the course of the last three weeks uh, generally has remained unchanged. Uh, They put a depth chart out effectively because they have to. Uh, But at practice, for example, you're hearing reports that Jalen Phillips back from the minor leg injury or lower body injury that kept him out of practice for about 10 days. uh, He's been running with the ones. And yet on the depth chart that was released earlier this week, uh, ahead of the Cincinnati game, the formal depth chart release was a third string outside linebacker. So take the depth chart itself with a grain of salt. But there are some reports out of practice about movers and shakers. Uh, that are moving their way up and reclaiming or claiming starting roles on either the offense or defense. And additionally, I want to get into uh, after the player cuts that took place earlier in the week. Uh, We saw the Dolphins cut three. They placed Limbo and Junior on IR. It cleared up the wide receiver room to a certain degree, but it did not ultimately clear up the ultimate conflict as far as how the Dolphins are going to manage their roster throughout the course of this season. Because, yes, you have potentially now whittled down eight or nine contenders. I would call it eight for presumably seven spots when it's all said and done. But you also have five tight ends. And you could keep seven wide receivers. You could keep five tight ends, but I don't think you can keep them both. And therefore, somebody's going to be on the chopping block here and I want to explore that a little bit today on the show today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com so let's start with the reports coming out of camp starting first and foremost and one of the hot button issues with this team is the offensive line I said coming out of Chicago or going into the Chicago game, I should say. If Liam Eikenberg remains the first-team left guard after the Chicago game moving forward, pretty safe to say he would be the team's starting left guard moving forward. Liam got hurt on Wednesday with a minor shoulder injury, pushed him out of of being active in the Chicago game. Solomon Kinley resumed that role. The following week of practice, boom, Solomon Kinley back at first-team left guard. This week, ahead of Cincinnati, it is still Solomon Kinley at the left guard spot. Which tells me you can take it from pencil to pen. Not Sharpie yet, but you can transfer it from pencil to pen. That Solomon Kinley is going to end up being the starting left guard on this offensive line. Which then opens the door for Liam to potentially beat out Jesse Davis. Whether or not that's going to happen, I don't know. I would anticipate if Jesse is going to hold the starting job, I'd set the over-under for Halloween as far as when that switch happens, which is not necessarily dissimilar to what happened with Robert Hunt at right tackle last year, right? At the end of the day, Liam Eikenberg is a better physical talent than Jesse Davis. Jesse Davis... He's been around the block a few times. He's played a bunch of spots on the line. He's played against a Bill Belichick coach defense. So I get it. You're coming into week one. You got Tua. You don't want to get caught off guard with miscommunications. Maybe you want to have some more experience there at that spot on the blind side against New England. Fine. But if it ends up being Jackson, Kinley, Dieter, Hunt, Davis as your starting five, give me until Halloween. And I'd be willing to bet Eichenberg takes that spot over, not dissimilar to how Robert Hunt took that same spot during the 2020 season. The other presumed change that we are seeing take place is Nick Needham has found himself back in the starting slot role. And uh, I have been critical of Nick throughout the course of the offseason as far as... uh, Opportunities to improve that spot. We've talked about Justin Coleman and, and obviously Noah Igbenogany has been reported to get at least a look inside this year. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you watch how Nick Needham played against Chicago and you watch how Nick Needham played against Atlanta, and there's no question, right now, he's the best option to play that spot think he's been a little bit more disciplined. Uh, Gerald Alexander, during his media availability this week, just I believe it was yesterday, uh, said that Needham is playing uh, with more efficiency in his movement this year. I know Chris Kaufman shared the rep of him in the zone drop where he's turns his, he sees the route in the flat and he turns and flips his eyes back to cover the the high low read and then immediately transitions and flips himself back and makes a tackle for a gain of only two or three yards. And it's really great examples of quality play by Nick Needham. And he's played inside and he's played outside. Consider this a formal apology to Nick Needham. I am not above acknowledging when my takes go wrong. I'd be a fool to think that I'm not going to get takes wrong when. It's my job and responsibility to have opinions on everything pertaining to the Dolphins, right? Well, this is one of those things that uh, I think the body of work that has been put on display both in camp and in the two preseason games, there's no question. Because my notes from Atlanta had Justin Coleman chasing and in recovery mode uh, a few times from the slot. Literally have that written down. It was... Uh, Right below the bullet point of Wilkins. Flashes hands on third and goal to disrupt sight line of wide receiver to force a drop before the Eric Rowe PBU on fourth down. The next bullet point, Justin Coleman caught chasing a few times in the slot in first half versus Atlanta. Needham's been sticky. He's been tough. He's been productive. He's got his hands on the football. He just got his hands on a football yesterday. uh, Batted the pass to Xavier Howard, who returned it in practice for an interception. For a touchdown, Nick Needham is the best option at this point in time to play in the nickel because this game, a lot of it is physical, and a lot of what Nick uh, comes up short in relative to his peers in competition for that spot is the pure physical skills. But this is a guy who has constantly worked and has showed up three consecutive seasons now, and been better than what he was the year before. I admire that. I respect that. And there's no question in my mind that Nick Needham has earned, based on his play to this point, the opportunity to be the first-team nickel defensive back for the third straight year. I'm hoping some of the bad habits from the last two years, some of the grabbiness, those inefficiencies that Gerald Alexander referenced, I'm hoping those are cleaned up this year, because if they are... You're going to have a really good opportunity to have a lot of ball production and a lot of complementary skill sets in the secondary.
0: This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: So let's get into this pass catcher situation because it is complex. It is complicated. Uh, Obviously, on Tuesday when the Dolphins made their first wave of changes, Just kind of this sigh of relief of like, okay, we can kind of filter through and sift through and and kind of catch our breath here. This is not such a frantic race amongst 14 guys anymore. But I still do think there are nine viable options for an active roster spot. And Will Fuller, he's not going to be in the active roster week one, but you got 16 weeks after that or 17 weeks after that, 16 games after that in which I'm going to include Will Fuller for the greater good of the entire conversation. Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, Albert Wilson, Mac Hollins. I think those five are extremely safe. And then you've got probably two on and two off, unless we get into the tight end discussion and you want to keep five tight ends. Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams, Kirk Merritt, Malcolm Perry. What's interesting here is I think you can put a different superlative on all uh, all four of these guys. Jakeem Grant is the most dynamic. He's the most accomplished because of his skills in the return game. Preston Williams, I think, has the most receiving upside. Kirk Merritt, I think, has the most pure potential as an athlete. Malcolm Perry is probably the most economic choice. Because by choosing Malcolm Perry, you could then, by extension, not choose Keem Grant and save yourself the most money. I do think it's going to end up being Grant versus Perry and Williams versus Merritt. It's tough. This is a tough numbers game. I think if you're going to keep seven, you need multiples that give you special teams value. Perry also, with his experience as an option quarterback at Navy, gives you probably the most versatility. So let's say they keep seven. Okay, now you shift your eyes to the tight end position, and you've got five legitimately with a strong case to make the roster: Gasecki, Smythe, Shaheen, Long, and Sethan Carter. Sethan Carter's banged up; he bruised his knee against Chicago. Not a long-term thing. Hunter Long. We thought we might see him go on IR. Uh, Turns out the injury was enough to keep him out of one freaking preseason game. He was back out there for 20 snaps against Atlanta, set in the edge. Caught a pass. Shaheen, the team gave an extension to last year. He's been arguably one of the guys catching the most touchdown passes in practice all camp long. Red zone receiving threat, Adam Shaheen. Smythe is the traditional wide tight end, hand-in-the-dirt blocker, and Gasecki is effectively a big receiver. So you can keep seven receivers. You can keep five tight ends. I don't know that you're going to be able to get away with doing both in one shot. 12 out of your 53, I'm not a math guy, but I just did the math. That's 22.5% of your roster. Wide receivers and tight ends. I don't think you can justify it. So now it becomes who gets the ax out of this group. From a financials perspective, the tight end that carries the most dead cap for Miami to cut is Seton Carter, who signed a two-year deal. Cutting him would collect the Dolphins $2.7 million in dead cap. Cutting Adam Shaheen would cost you $2.17 million in dead cap. The team is not going to cut Hunter Long as a third round pick this year. They're not going to cut Mike Gasecki in a contract year with his track record and production. If you cut Durham Smythe, your dead cap is under $160,000 that's a pretty easily digestible cap figure, but he is the guy right now who's taking the first team reps as the guy with his hand in the dirt. So I don't know how the hell you suss this out unless you're just going to take an L on the contract you gave either Shaheen or Seaton Carter last year. If you end up keeping five tight ends, who becomes the most disposable of the wide receivers I would say probably Preston Williams why because Preston Williams is 6 foot 5 he's a big body receiver he runs his routes on the outside there's the durability factor that you know nothing really needs to be said about but let me ask you this what does Preston Williams give you as a pass catcher That Mike Geseck does not, and this is a genuine question. Mike Gesecki has taken approximately 20% of his snaps last year on the boundary. So he's capable of lining up outside. Mike Geseck is six foot five and a half. Preston Williams, six foot four and a quarter. Mike Kosecki, 247, Preston Williams, 211. This is according to their, their combine slash pro day numbers. At his pro day, Preston Williams ran a four-six-one. one Mike Kosecki ran a 4-5-4 at the NFL combine. So Kosecki's faster. Mike Kosecki was faster in his 10-yard split by a tenth of a second. At his pro day... Preston Williams jumped 31 and a half inches in the vertical jump. Mike Geseki jumped 41 and a half inches in the vertical jump, 10 inches higher for Mike Geseki. Preston Williams' broad jump: nine feet eight inches. Mike Geseki's broad jump: ten feet nine inches. Geseki more explosive in the broad. Short shuttle, the 20-yard shuttle. Preston Williams' pro day: four, three, five. Mike Geseki. 4-1-0. Gusecki, faster by a quarter second in the in the short shuttle. Three-cone drill, Preston Williams, 7-1-1. In the three-cone drill, seconds. Mike Gusecki ran it in 6.76 seconds. Mike Gusecki, statistically speaking, one of the most physically impressive NFL combines in the history of the event. Gusecki's arm length, longer by an inch. His wingspan significantly wider, by 3 and a, uh, three and a half inches. So literally everything that you could possibly measure these two big-bodied receiving targets as, Mike Isecki is a more appealing option. Neither one of them is going to give you special teams. So if you want to keep five tight ends, because I don't think it's realistic to expect the team to cut Hunter Long, the team just signed Seaton Carter. Durham Smythe is the de facto traditional Y hand in dirt tight end right now. And Shaheen's had great rapport with Tua in the red zone throughout the course of the training camp. Could Mike Gusecki technically take that second big-bodied receiver role from the wide receiver room for Preston Williams? And then you keep six wide receivers. I'm just throwing it out there. And then you could get into the argument and say, well, Mike Gusecki's not very versatile for a tight end, but he's more versatile as a wide receiver than Preston Williams. Preston's in a tough spot because Preston has not had the opportunities to make plays because he's still recovering from the foot injury and was just obviously brought off PUP last week. They're weaning him into game action. Is it too little too late? I don't know. Not too little for you to get some sports bets in, however. It's that time of year, all eyes turning to football. Teams back on the gridiron to mark the start of football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this fall. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device assignment today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Cowboys and Bucks, And if you lose, your wage will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, promo code On.
0: Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state.
1: Here's the other thing about Preston Williams. His dead cap is just under $3,500. It's effectively zero, right? But Preston, I think, actually gives you some trade value as well. And obviously you might want to make the case and say, well, we should really look into trading Devontae Parker if he continues to struggle with hamstrings and so on and so forth. I get it. But at least Devontae has put on some production over the course of a season and even when he's been banged up. It's not as though he's been suffering season-ending injuries to the degree in which Preston Williams has through his first two seasons. And that's tough for Preston, right? Like, that's not his fault. But Preston has fought the football at times. Again, remember, his career catch percentage on 95 targets is 52.6%. He averages plenty of chunk gains, Averaged 16 yards per catch last year on 18 receptions. Had four touchdowns. That ratio is really good. But he's literally played in half of the games possible over the last two years. We've kind of gone through the value of special teams, and if you're at the bottom of the wide receiver bucket, but like, has Preston been passed by Matt Collins as a receiver, never mind like the value from a versatility perspective? Genuinely, like, Robert Foster was Mac Hollins' best competition, and Mac turned into a big-bodied wide receiver who's been catching the ball and, and having a lot of great production and playing confident. And I would, you know, maybe it's out of sight, out of mind with Preston. And I get, like, 2019 in camp was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's a monster with Preston Williams. I get that that first impression was quite strong. But I don't know how you look at this body of work and you make this argument. So for me, figuring out who's on the chopping block comes down to do you real do the Dolphins realistically view Mike Gesaki as a viable option to fill the pseudo role in the wide receiver room, that seventh wide receiver, and another big-bodied guy? If so. Preston Williams is probably off on my list, and then I'm picking one spot between Jakeem Grant, Kirk Merritt, and Malcolm Perry. And I'm really hoping I can push Kirk Merritt through on waivers and get him on the practice squad. I want Malcolm Perry on the practice squad as well. If you want to make the financial decision to part ways with Grant and save some money, then I'm keeping Merritt as wide receiver six, and Gasecki as quote-unquote wide receiver seven slash tight at one. I don't know that the Dolphins are going to view it that way, but this is kind of just one way, as I've been trying to wrap my head around, and uh, I think it was Danny who called me out uh, yesterday when we did the 53-man roster projection. Uh, it's worth mentioning that I did not include – Elandon Roberts, and the reason why I did not was not because I don't think he makes the team. I definitely think he makes the team. Uh, but when I was cross-checking with my original notes from back in July, I had Elandon Roberts on PUP to start the year. So for that reason, he wasn't on that original list. I missed his name. Apologies to Elandon. Definitely think he make the team. But I digress. The reason I got to this point was... I've really been trying to wrap my head around how in the hell they're going to sort out these last five spots on the roster. This is going to be tough, guys. And I love that it's tough. I hate that it's tough because there's guys that I want to see succeed here, but I just don't know if those opportunities are going to be there for them to do it. And one creative way I've come up is I've been trying to cook up, like, man, I don't see them parting ways with any of these tight ends. Maybe Seaton Carter ends that starts the year on PUP. I don't know. But if you're going to keep five, because there's investments made, reasonable investments within the last year, made in Seaton Carter and Adam Shaheen. Obviously, Mike Kasecki's not going anywhere. Hunter Long, third-round pick. He's not going anywhere. Like, Smythe was the only one that you could say, eh, he's in a contract year. We think he's a replaceable player. He's the starting Y right now. So... As I've been trying to just go through all the variables, this has been one resolution I've come to that I think at least makes some sense. If you believe Gaseki can take on that workload and take some more of his routes from the perimeter as game situations call for it, as compared to exclusively from the slot. And he wasn't exclusive from the slot last year. It was about a 60-20-20 split between the slot, outside, and hand in the dirt. It's going to be fascinating, man. I can't wait. I can't wait to put Joe Rose through the ringer tomorrow here on the show. going to put his feet to the fire he had me on on the, the Joe Rose show on Tuesday morning and ask me some tough questions. I'm going to tag him back. I told him on the air, I said I'm going to tag him back. So make sure you hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Kyle Krabs, thanks always for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow. Fins up.
2: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.